In roller derby, holding space is an empowering, often intimidating act of strength and strategy for oneself and or teammates. Holding Space, the podcast, clears the floor for conversations that touch upon race, class, identity, and privilege to amplify stories, build community, and make more connections in the skate world. Expect lots of smart, dope skate people musing about life on and off eight wheels and silliness. Can't forget the silliness that you never knew you needed and won't be able to live without. This is Holding Space with Magical Wheelism. Welcome. That's like, it's, do you remember like in the, when we were kids and like 2020 seemed like the like future, future, like the Jetsons future? I know. Like it just, even just, it, there's something about just like the phrase 2020 or like, yeah. oh, oh my God, how am I living in this right now? It's amazing. Then <laughs> then there's the school of thought that's like, it's just another year. You know, like everyone's yeah. always on the like tangent and feel yeah. all of this like anxiety to make resolutions and promptly yes. abandon them and <laughs> like yeah. just and then feel guilty about exactly. Them. Yeah. <laughs> That's not what this is, right? Like this No, is... definitely not. Yeah. I feel like this is much more like low key, just trying to figure out here's here's some things that I want to think about for the next year, but it's nothing that's like a hard and fast like I have to do this and I have to do it this way or that you have to answer every question or that exactly you have to take on all of the things on your shoulders nah yeah this is a this is a question and an intent buffet grab a yeah. plate <laughs> grab a napkin just you know yeah. pick <laughs> yeah whatever ones whatever questions look good to you yeah I mean I've looked at so many lists of questions and I'm always like I like three of those I'll take three of these and that's fine you know you can pick three out of 20 questions and totally just run with those ones yeah because those are the ones that resonate with you, right? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I want to just acknowledge that we were greatly inspired by Dr. Joy Harden of the Therapy for Black Girls podcast. Uh, yes. She had an episode and many of these questions were adapted from that episode. So feel free to check out that episode as well. And I'm greatly appreciative of the fact that we had a sort of like blueprint and not having to start from scratch. It was like a recipe. Yeah, it really helped. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know if I know how to just pull these questions out of my head. Totally. Because it's like, it's such a big topic. I was looking at these questions this morning and like kind of, you know, thinking back on the year and preparing for our conversation. And by the end of it, I had my word. I was ready. Oh, you got your word. I got my word. So it felt good. So it felt good. And I didn't really even like delve into my own personal answers for these questions, but it got the juices flowing. And that's ultimately what we can hope from this, right? Yeah, exactly. I think we should start with the added questions that you have first. Yeah, those were kind of the ones that I had started with when I was starting to think of like, what would I want the next year to look like? Yeah, Mm -hmm. so we can start with those. The first question is, what did you learn from something that went wrong or was struggle slash painful? This year, for the first time, I feel like I honored my boundaries. Like I, yes, when something 
didn't feel right. I didn't suppress the feeling. I didn't ignore the feeling and I didn't just try to grin and bear it. I, for the first time in quite a long time, I put my foot down and was like, okay, I'm not going to be treated this way. Or I'm not, this is not, I don't like how this feels. I'm going to address that. Be it, you know, communicating with others and expressing my issue, what I, the bone that I had to pick with others, or just flat out leaving the situation and it, like extricating myself from that situation. I feel yeah. that that is something that I did for myself and felt really good about it afterward. Yeah, absolutely. I think that that was a big one for me. It was just learning boundaries for sure. <laughs> Do you want to read the next one? I can read that. Oh, yeah. Dope. Okay. So, what did you learn from something that went well and was fulfilling or positive? It it kind of ties back to to the previous one where I realized that. So, I had kind of early on last year set boundaries and it went very very well. <laughs> um, it I think that some people, you know, a lot of people are scared of setting boundaries because of this idea that it's going to somehow cause others to be upset or that I could somehow do some kind of damage in relationships when we meet those kind of boundaries. But I actually found that by initially setting those boundaries that I started off from a much better place. And it, it brought me so much more because I already had those expectations in place and people immediately respected those expectations and boundaries. So that's one part of it. And another part of it is reflecting on the fulfillment of basically acknowledging the successes of others and really celebrating the successes of others. It's something that I've learned from this year of how being able to kind of stop thinking about myself and find that joy for other people. That was huge for me. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. I think that creating this podcast was something that went well and is fulfilling and is positive. I didn't think that I can do it. I didn't know how to do it. I doubted myself. And it was one of those things that you just keep, you know, creating the list and keep crossing things off and all of a sudden you're you're actually doing it you know like you're just like you put your feet on the pedals and you start pedaling and all of a sudden you're you're riding a bicycle it's kind of yeah. like <laughs> that's you find your footing you know you just you do it sometimes and i think that that's my takeaway from this and that i can use you know negativity to fuel positivity sometimes exactly yeah that you don't need to have a humongous like structure behind you, like anyone can sit in front of a, a microphone and, and talk to the world and, or tweet out to the world. You don't need to belong to a, a D1 team or anything. And yeah, you'll find your, you'll find your, your community, your little squad. There's a place for you in Derby that felt good to learn yeah. this year. What's your plan for moving your body differently in 2020? Be it more prehab, cross training, etc. Yeah, I love it. this question. This is something I've been thinking about a lot as my body ages. Like I'm 38 and roller derby is definitely starting to like take its physical toll more and more. So figuring out, I, I, it's not that I get injured necessarily. It's that I definitely don't let myself recover 
her enough. And I think I'm pushing myself to try to be like, oh, I can, I can just, I can do all of this. I can do endurance. I can do strength. I can do this. When really, I think I just need to focus on doing recovery work this season, making sure that I'm actually stretching. It's something that we don't even really do at practices, stretch after practice. I feel like we've talked about it for so long, that just stretching, resting, sleeping so that my body can keep doing this hopefully until I'm 40. That's, that's my goal. Um, I'm also 38. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Right? Yes. So ditto. Same. Yep. yep. Enough said. Feeling it. Yep. yep. And it's somehow no one ever tells you that. No. <laughs> so you got to learn for yourself as you, as you do it. Yeah. I think my my plan for moving differently in, in 2020 is to honor the curiosities that I've had. Like I've been mm-hmm. wanting to try rock climbing and I just oh, yeah. haven't, mm-hmm. you know, cause I feel like I don't have anyone to give it. And like, there's like, I don't know, just like a million and three excuses that come to your head. Right. Oh, so totally. yeah. I want to put myself out there and try all of the things that I, the part of me thinks I could do and surprise the other half of me and take it from there. Yes. So good. So how are you putting your life mask on first? How are we mitigating risks for overextension, burnout, injury, and or debt? Um, This is a really, really hard one to say one thing now and yeah. put it in practice. It's you know it's different in theory and in practice because roller derby is so can be so all consuming that putting on your life mask first is is impossible. And yeah. so I think I just want to be really regimented about listening to my body, listening to my mind when I'm feeling those feelings of like stress and anxiety and those like telltale moments and just be okay with doing my best and doing what I can do. And, you know, perhaps in terms of like debt, uh, being better about planning out my expenses for the month, week, day, and sticking to it and honoring it. And um, in terms of injury, doing that prehab work is that also can be really, can be really crucial and vital, Um, you know, doing those like that prehab work, resting as well and hydrating and just being mindful of the stretching. It's not all the, the practice itself isn't all of derby it's it's what you do after derby and before derby that can really impact gameplay oh yeah definitely for this one i was just thinking about i'm really good at setting boundaries with my day job i'm not absolutely someone who's like this is my 40 hours and i'm not going to be checking my email before i get to work i'm not going to be obsessively checking it in the evening because that's my boundaries so that I can have my own space in life. But I'm terrible at doing that for roller derby. And, you know, I don't want to see roller derby as being a job, but finally starting to acknowledge that it's almost like I have to come up with 
office hours is what I've sort of been thinking for this next year of when I'm going to be doing things that are outside of the scope of like a a practice or a a meeting. If I'm going to be doing extra work for roller derby, setting aside like an office hour, because if not, I could find myself just working on things all weekend, (laughs) like just kind of fall into this pit. So yeah, that that's a goal that I have. I'm I'm not sure that I'm going to be able to be super good at it this season, but I'm trying. So nice. And you know the best <laughs> part of this this podcast is that we can return to it and listen to I know. what we've said. You're like <laughs> I did say I was going to do this. <laughs> so shout out and to I future sounded. future yes. Raina and future Magic. <laughs> yes. Oh my god, that'll be great. I'll probably need it in a couple of months to be like, okay, that's right. Office hours. I promise to do this. Great. Okay, next question. So how do we become more mindful of the role that money plays in our lives, community, and derby? How are we working towards abundance? Is it being more frugal and cutting out excesses or looking for new work or career opportunities? Are you attuned to economic trends in your area? And do we have policies in place for sudden changes? This is, I've been trying to put together a list. This is not so much personally, but for like for a lead priority of specific like economic barriers in Derby and how we can start thinking about them more and actually planning to put things in place. Because a lot of times it's not just a gear lending library, it's childcare for skaters who can't come to practice because they have a baby. It's transportation when someone needs a ride or they only have a bike and and or they don't have a car it's dues it's so many things that I feel like aren't often thought about and it's probably because we don't really discuss them with each other because money is still such a taboo for people to talk about they don't want to talk about the fact that they're struggling in a certain area and that it's affecting their ability to be a part of our sport. So I am hoping to have that be like embedded more in what we do this year and not just a side thing like, okay, here's a due scholarship that we have, which we do have, but how to kind of implement ways to eliminate these barriers at all levels in the league. I would love to be able to do that. That's awesome. Yeah, no, that mm-hmm. those are definitely necessary. And can I tell you that like I started a new league this fall and just so happens that like at the at our last practice a couple weeks back, two women, two skaters, and they happen to be women of color, came, just dropped in and had heard from like the people who run our like center, the center where we skate about derby and about roller skating. So they came with, I think they both had, you know, sort of like the boot style, the Impala style skate and Mm -hmm. didn't have any gear other than that. The league that I'm in had a lending library and was able to find sizes and outfit them. And they were able to start, they didn't do any contact or anything because they they were barely starting out, you know? Yeah. Uh, So they didn't need like mouth guards, but had they not had that in place, those those women would have walked out and would have never come back probably and would have been intimidated. So I think that a lending library is a must, a must. Yeah, and, right. And you know all of the other barriers that 
could potentially keep people from poking their head in or coming through the door or saying need to be examined and hopefully addressed. But that's definitely, I, I noticed that right away and I was like, wow, that's that's really great that we could, we, we didn't have to turn them away, you know? Cause yeah. That, Cause I would just immediately be like, nope, this door is closed. This isn't for that's you. Yeah. yeah. They had a blast and they were like, we'll see you. You know, I think that they had some things going on that they wouldn't be able to come back immediately. But, you know, I'm sure that the, the way that they felt at the end of the practice and what all they were able to accomplish really stuck with them. And I'm confident that we'll probably see them again. Awesome. Or that maybe they'll go to another league. You know, maybe they'll try out at another local league that's closer to wherever they are. Yeah. But, exactly. but this experience really, you know, is the experience that's going to stay with them and, and when they go elsewhere yeah. uh, or yeah. when they think about Derby. Or maybe they'll go to a game. You don't know. You just never know. But it, there's always an exactly. option. Exactly. Yeah. And as far as the second part of the question, I want to say that I I want to be better about transferring or bringing that sort of like what's the what's the word I'm looking for that the I guess like the courage the bravery that I have in Derby to try other to try things with my body to that that kind of like fuck it energy to my non-Derby life and you know start expanding and, and looking for other opportunities elsewhere in my life and yeah. just not care, you know, and if I fall, just get back up the way I do, you know, and if I get a bruise, then just deal with it and keep on moving. Cause I feel like we, we tend to like dwell on those sort of like, you know, shortcomings when they happen. And, and if I could just like take that Derby energy onto real life, non-Derby life, that'd be awesome. And lastly, about the economic trends in our areas, I think that Derby needs to acknowledge that politics are going to play a role in in our league life. People try to put this like facade of like Derby somehow being a politics free zone or or apolitical or, you know, Mm -hmm. politically neutral. But if we don't acknowledge the reality of how local politics occur in our areas, then we're we're leaving money on the table, frankly. I think that if here we are, Derby is like the, the 2019 equivalent of what civil association associations used to be in the past what you know like clubs like those like sort of like fraternal Mm -hmm. clubs that used to be around like we could be harnessing all of the people all of the empowered and engaged citizens in our midst and our ranks and and holding our leaders accountable and getting more funding and getting what we need in our communities and i think that that's that's something that i hope we see more of in in 2020 and especially since we have an election coming up and we have the census coming up it's it behooves us to to become more involved even though everyone's like oh one more thing it's it it really (laughs) could have a lot of repercussions or reverberations in positive ways and we could be proactive instead of reactive when you know all of a sudden instead of having things getting taken away from us we could actually get funding for, for more of what we need yeah exactly so I would love to see that for sure next year. Social media plays a big role in Derby slash skating community. What do we want to see this look like and how do we want to bring this change about? I probably mangled that. But no, um, <laughs> I want us to get off of Facebook. Yes. <laughs> That's my biggest hope. <laughs> oh my, my biggest hope and dream. That like gated blue wall that is Facebook is yes. my existence. I really don't like it. And I really don't. I really resent that I have to 
miss out on, you know, signing up for challenges for RollerCon or, you know, oh, any other like feedback that people are discussing or events because no one seems to publicize them off of Facebook the way that they do on Facebook. Oh, I know. Am I willing to sacrifice my sanity and my, you know, <laughs> happiness for it? No, no. but <laughs> <laughs> I wish the Derby would return to like forums, I don't know, or, you know, Reddit or Twitter or IG or Slack or, you know, who cares, but something that's not Facebook because Facebook is, it's less soft. (laughs) It's the worst. I don't want to have anything to do with it. I mean, the, the nice thing is that our league has actually almost entirely moved off of Facebook last by by now, I think we are finally fully Slack-based, which still has its own issues, but it means that I don't have to log on to Facebook, mm-hmm. which is amazing. Like the, the little bit of time that I've had to spend on Facebook in the last like three months has been like this weight off of my shoulders to That's not great. have to deal with it. <laughs> yeah. That's really great. Uh, of course, I, w- I think I would want to see more people involved in Derby Twitter, but then it, it, Derby Twitter feels like a vacation town. And whenever chance and playoffs yeah. comes about, like it like floods with people. <laughs> and then like totally. the rest of the year just like dissipates. And it's just like us, like long-term yeah. residents. <laughs> like, oh, we're still here. Yeah. That's, I think that that's probably my response to this question too. And yeah, and then just being able to kind of strengthen, get more people involved in Derby Twitter who kind of might have been lurking previously. And it's fine. I lurked on Derby Twitter for a long time before I started to get engaged. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> okay, next question. Okay. What are ways to deepen our relationships in the Derby and stating community? How can we be better friends and colleagues? Yeah, this is this is big for me because I think that I mean something that I for sure want to work on is I can feel like I'm someone who is empathetic and is very understanding and kind of in tune with how people are feeling, but I'm I don't always do the best job of then giving something back to others. Um, including some of my closest friends. Like it's something that I'm always working on as an individual and in my personal relationships, but absolutely in Derby. And it's because, you know, oftentimes I can feel isolated and I spend a lot of times this year trying to figure out the reasons why I feel isolated in Derby. And some of them are definitely outside of my control and others are for sure within my control. And it's, it comes back to, of course, like being able to figure out what your boundaries are and how much that you can give to a community, but knowing that like a community requires individuals to be giving back to it and to actually have like reciprocal relationships with each other. Um, So I think something that I mentioned earlier um, was how I'm learning to be better at acknowledging the successes of others and celebrating others, especially people within the league and the community that aren't, that aren't getting that all the time. Because I think a lot of times we'll see the same people getting support and praise when there's so many other people that need that to just kind of keep us going in Derby. So I'm, 
that's probably one of the biggest things that I'm working on is just not just thinking that I'm a good person because I am understanding, but actually being there for people and and helping them out when they need it. Awesome. Mm -hmm. I am still technically fresh meat in this league that I'm in now. Mm -hmm. Suburbia. It's not like a Western. (laughs) And so I feel like just naturally and by design, I will deepen relationships with everyone in my league because everything is so new and nascent. Mm -hmm. Uh, I want to be a better friend and I want to be a good colleague to people. But I also want to acknowledge that I'm human and that I also need to, again, put my life mask on first. That's another thing is that when you start becoming friends with people in your league, boundaries and, and responsibilities become gray areas. And oh, yeah. Everything And everyone, you know, I think that's when maybe that sort of resentfulness, when someone isn't picking up their slack, starts to take hold, starts to take root. Yeah, I think that also we can all deepen our relationships in Derby by recognizing that we're all human, that we all are trying our best, and that we all, whenever we're about to say anything or share a thought or express ourselves, kind of put ourselves in the recipient's place first and see how that is going to be interpreted or felt or received and adjust accordingly. Maybe not not necessarily like censor yourself or tamp down what you want to say, but just be mindful of how it's going to be received and be 100% okay with whatever it is that you say. But speak your truth. We owe it to ourselves and others to to be honest, to be truthful, even if it can be painful to hear in the beginning. I really appreciate when people give me feedback and, and, yes. and I know, and I understand that there it's from a good place and from a genuine place and not uh, sort of like, why don't you get up faster? You know, it's like, yeah, you know, <laughs> good job. You're trying to get up faster. You know, I don't know. So that's something to think about too, is how we're expressing ourselves with others. And lastly, I think a big lesson for me this year was that roller derby yeah. is bigger than my league's world. Uh, roller derby is bigger than my local league's like the area's league world. Being so involved in like, you know, on Derby Twitter and in Instagram, I've been able to befriend people, even though I've never met them, but mm-hmm. I still consider folks my friends and we've had really great conversations and we're able to kind of break digital bread as it were. <laughs> but, you know, that's another way to deepen your relationships. If things aren't exactly pending out for you in your own like home league, know that there's a wider world and a wider Derby community that you can also join and be a part of and are constantly yeah. welcoming people. So there's that. How is Derby slash skating giving back and contributing to larger social communities? How are individuals within our community giving back to Derby slash skating? I think we highlighted some quite yeah. a few people in mm-hmm. our 2019 recap uh, that are doing this work of giving back and contributing to Derby in, in a slew of ways. We could always do more, you know, we could always... Yeah. It saddens me when I see leagues that are disconnected from the the area in which they're they practice. You know, mm-hmm. who just kind of like drive in and then promptly drive out. I want. I would love to see Derby become more involved, like learning about with their neighbors, basically, and you know, involved with what their issues are and give back in that respect and yeah, help advocate cool. for those issues. Like attend, you know, community board meetings and town halls and figure out and realize that that when you do these actions it's not for it's not with a with something that's you're going to receive and you know what i mean like yeah 
the words escaping me, but you don't have to have a reason to give back that you can give back because this community at the end of the day is your home. Exactly. Yeah. I was thinking about just the kind of responsibilities, yeah, that we have as a league to be yeah, locally involved. I keep thinking, you know, with like I'm a part of Tucson Roller Derby and how many things do we do and what kind of work do we do that is really specific to Tucson or Arizona and are we involved? Yes, things like being involved in community boards, neighborhood meetings, any any way that you can let people in your community know that you are also a part of it and trying to just remind people in the league that yes, we're a sports league, but we are also a nonprofit. And because of that, then we have kind of what I, I believe are extra responsibilities to the community that you live within and figuring out ways to be more strategic about who we decide to partner or get involved with. I mean, I think that I've seen some examples of other leads kind of having what seemed to me like questionable partnerships and with different entities and trying to figure out is that, you know, is that something that long term you want to like have associated with your league and say that that is how you are going to represent your community, just being smarter about that. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Okay. So next question. What are some boundaries that our communities can set both internally and externally? Oh, so one of the biggest things that this brings up for me is just, I mean, I think I've been thinking about this since I started roller derby, as far as an external boundary of how big do we want roller derby to become? Hmm. And is the ultimate goal, is it, do people want it to become like a respectable in air quotes sports mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, or a traditional sport, or are we still going to really stick with what I see as more of like a grassroots radical center? Cause I feel like I haven't heard anyone talk about this for a long time, but anytime someone had, brought up like roller derby being a part of the Olympics. I was always like, no, Mm -hmm. (laughs) like, I don't think that that is, I feel like that is an okay boundary to not have to be at that point, because then once you're at that point, you're inviting in a lot of other bullshit that if you kind of play along with that game, then it's going to change what roller derby is at heart. Yeah. I'm just trying to imagine it like <laughs> on NBC, you know, like, right? <laughs> could you imagine? Oh. And, 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 so and for some people, I feel like that would be their idea of making it right. That they would be like with pride and cool. Yeah. But for others, it's going to be like, hmm, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. And it's trying to figure out like, are we okay with just knowing that internally we are validated and that internally we view ourselves as being true athletes or as opposed to needing this external validation for what it means to be or legitimacy, right? Like quote unquote legitimacy. Mm -hmm. Exactly. That's an interesting question. I think that in order for maybe both parties to be happy, we need to just 
grow the sport like having mushrooms so that it's not the same sort of people the same teams you know trying to do both like i think that if we get to a point because you know look at soccer like look at football there are the people there's soccer in the olympics i think i don't know (laughs) but like you know but but they're also like like neighborhood leagues like there are people just just play pickup soccer like you know that you could have both if it's big enough but it i think that derby is it's still too too small to be able to not lose itself if it tries to do both at once right now yeah and i you know i feel like it could be really that could be a really amazing project for for junior roller derby because i feel like everyone's talking about junior roller derby as if they were this new vanguard of competition and athleticism which you know they they're it's amazing to have started playing at such a young age maybe that's oh, something no. that they can shoot for but i don't know i i'm with i'm more with you and if it means compromising values then mm, yeah no. <laughs> then i'm not totally sold on it yeah good. <laughs> yeah okay so do we have a clear idea of what values are important to derby slash skating community and are we acting in accordance with those values when i hear that i think of derby's oh my god what what is it like i can only think of the revolutionary one but it's like you know something something revolutionary derby like um, oh yeah yeah left it as like three words right and yeah if I can't remember them, then they must not be sticking. <laughs> I know. I was like, why do I only remember revolutionary right now? I feel like I have to look it up. <laughs> yeah. So maybe not. Maybe we aren't. <laughs> maybe aren't. Oh my God. I know. Oi, what is it? Where is it? Yeah. It's I'm like, like oh looking on the gosh, site now. I have to look this up. Okay. Real strong athletic revolutionary. Okay. Real yeah. strong, athletic, and revolutionary. Yeah, I mean, what is the what is the definition of real in this context, right? I know, right? <laughs> strong, yeah. And I think strong I, I think be- <laughs> strong can mean a lot of things, but I think we're. I think I. I think when I think of derby people and skate people, I definitely think of strength for sure. I think of realness. Yeah. I don't know if I'm necessarily my definition of realness is one and the same with Wolf did us, but I could see that maybe being the case um, in certain instances on a one-on-one basis. Athletic, definitely, definitely. definitely. And revolutionary. Hmm. I feel like that's where it gets a little (laughs) dicey. Yeah, I, you know, I, I don't know that, I don't know that we've reached that yet. No. It's a work in progress. Yeah. I think that there are, <laughs> there have been glimmers and examples that we should follow guiding lights in the Derby community of, of re- that revolutionary value, but as a whole and the entire entity, I, I don't think so. Yeah. I feel like that's, that's the hardest one because I think that a lot of people could easily say like, oh yeah, like I'm, I agree with the real strong athletic, but it's that same issue of like when folks still want to separate politics from our sport, 
Like, and if you're someone who wants to completely separate them, then there's no way that Derby can actually be revolutionary because it requires it to be political in order to be revolutionary. Big time, <laughs> by <Yeah>. definition. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, it, and it becomes like antithetical with trying to be accepted by the mainstream, right? When you, yeah. when you're, if you're, if your aim is to become a part of the, the big establishment and big sport, you know, such as an Olympics or ESPN, then how are you going to maintain that revolutionary living? It just doesn't seem possible. Yeah. yeah. And and I wanted to, let me make this a little more concrete. I feel like Derby right now is not living in its revolutionary status in its inclusion practices and its, its policies towards, you know, issues involving skaters of color. I think that the policy that was put in place was way too conditional and way too centering the officials themselves rather than the affected skaters and, um, Mm -hmm. and could do more to, to level the skating field for skaters of color. Also, I think that Derby needs to elevate more skaters of color into its leadership ranks and have them have, more of a say in actual concrete decision-making practices and uh, the language that it used can also be more inclusive. So I feel like Derby needs to, and, and it's code of conduct, Derby, you know, released this code of conduct and, you know, to yeah. this day, we still have teams that are using words like suicide, I'm sorry to say, and, yeah. you know, death row or whatever in their, in their team names. And it's, supposedly against that code of conduct so i'm not sure why why release something if it's going to be promptly ignored exactly yeah it's just at that point it's just a show mm-hmm. right yeah. it's lip service like it's like look what we did and then can we go back to promptly ignoring you yeah <laughs> color thank you can you sit yeah. down <laughs> and at the end of the day yeah. people vote with their feet like and you i think that you're also starting to see like bowl skating become a, a really good appealing alternative to to roller derby for some because of, there's so little overhead and there's so little like you had said in in the way of rules and and yeah. structure and maybe we need to figure that one out as well right. how can we have more fun yes this is a good question <laughs> yes how can we have more fun um i think that that is a very personal question to answer yeah, that is. only only your soul and your heart will be able to answer this question for you for yeah. me that means naps no <laughs> well yes partly <laughs> it means naps but it also means travel um i love traveling and i've i've really really enjoyed the moments or the times when i've been able to pair traveling to a new location and t- catching a, a tournament or a game so those are two ways that i recommend yeah travel is a big one for me i haven't really been able to do a lot of it in the last couple of years and i'm definitely feeling the lack of fun in that area and also just taking more time to just like make things just being able to enjoy hobbies without the stress of being productive like just making things for the sake of making things hell yeah because I feel like it's so ingrained in my head like as someone who like I used to like want to be an artist and then I at some point stop doing that because I was focusing so heavily on just the capitalist part of it of I have to be producing. I have to be producing and selling, produce, sell, produce, sell. And then it was like, well, this isn't fun anymore. 
anymore. <laughs> so letting myself just make things for the sake of making things and they don't have to be good. That's fun. Can I just, can you just, can I just say that like you've encapsulated my whole relationship with writing? I was uh, like, yeah. <laughs> it's great, right, right. And then I became a freelance writer and then I left writing. <laughs> yeah, yeah right. Because it yeah. stops being fun once uh-huh. it's really tied up in your actual survival as well. Big time. It doesn't yeah. feed, it doesn't feed you when it feeds you. Like it doesn't yeah. nourish you when it's totally. paying your bills, sadly. Yeah. But that's real. Can you tell me a little more about your piñata making though now that we we broached this topic (laughs) yes so I started making piñatas when I lived in Portland which was I lived in Portland for about six years before I moved to Tucson so unfortunately I haven't been making as many in the last year especially because of derby but um for a while I was making at least a couple of piñatas a month at first I started out just wanting it was really just like the joy of making a piñata and just what cool random like kind of complicated shapes can I see if I can make and then eventually people noticing and they wanted to buy them so I've had a lot of people um, last year especially that ordered them for their kids so I got to make a lot of really cute ones like Spider-Man, Pikachu, I think I made Super Mario Brothers um, I'm trying to remember. I feel like I did another. Oh, I did like Stitch from Lilo and Stitch. Um, but before that, I had been making kind of weird pinatas. I like making food and animals. I made a pinata out of, of, of my dog. I did not break that pinata, obviously. <laughs> I did have somebody else once commission me, can you make a pinata of my dog? And I was like, this isn't for beating, I hope, right? <laughs> This is just to stay on your shelf. Boundaries. I love artists have to put their right? <laughs> Oh my god! And pinatas are really. I love making them, but they can be so. It can be a little heartbreaking when you know that it's mm-hmm. one that someone is going to break. Like mm-hmm. I know that the whole point of it is. it's it's fun like I grew up I had a pinata at every birthday and at that point in time I never even thought about really like the craftsmanship or like this how sad it is to have this kind of like ephemeral piece of art Mm. but I've gotten so much more used to it and now I love when I actually really enjoy seeing them the aftermath because I know that it 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 did what you wanted it to do like how did you learn to make them (laughs) I had just I mean, I remember making them when I was a little kid, but they were terrible. They were just like, here's a balloon and just made something that shaped like a balloon, you know? Um, And then I just started learning how to sculpt them and trying to figure out how to make different shapes. When I first started, my husband was actually helping me. It was before we got married, we had decided we wanted to make a bunch of pinatas for the wedding. That was this... Like we were on a very like DIY, like low budget wedding. And we figured if we just made a bunch of pinatas, that would be an easy way to decorate. So we decided that we, this was something that we could do together because he likes to build stuff. And then I just kind of stole some of the techniques that he had showed me and then just went forward with that. And yeah, and now I, I've figured out some of the things that I've figured out how to make. I'm actually shocked that they turned out because at first when you're just like forming pieces of paper and blue, you're thinking this is not 
this doesn't look like a chicken. Like I have so many in my room right now that are actually the base of a chicken that I'm going to still decorate. But I'm like, it doesn't look like a chicken right now. But I know once I start putting things on it, it will look like a chicken. Fine. But I love it. I just, I'm hoping absolutely this year I'm going to start doing it again and not be so focused on making it be like my side hustle, which is what I did before. And then I think the same thing happened where I stressed myself out about it. Was like, oh, I have to keep making these so I can make money. Now I'm just going to make them. And if someone wants to buy one from me, then they can buy one from me. <laughs> okay, let's see. What's that? Okay. Are there expectations and relationships within the community that have gone unexpressed or unreciprocated? Yeah, this was this was a hard one for me. I mean, because it is really having to look at the ways in which... <laughs> you've been giving or other people or groups of people have been giving and not giving back which in a lot of and not getting anything in return and I think in a lot of ways that's become kind of the basis of so many people's relationship with Derby this very kind of like selflessness people pleasing almost like you end up being a martyr because you give so much and you're not getting enough back And so trying to figure out ways to, for myself to lead, like, especially as now that I'm in a position of leadership of like, how can I lead by example and like not exhibit any of those behaviors in a way that it seems like that is the expectation to give and give and give until you're empty, you know? So... I mean, I feel like we've said this many times throughout this, but obviously figuring out the boundaries of how much you can give before you're not getting anything in return um, and just taking time to actually reflect on that can be really hard. Like, and I think I've seen some people this year end up quitting because they were in that position where they got so burned out. And I think that they started to feel as though all the work that they were doing was invisible. And in a way it kind of was. So I think if we make our work more visible to people, like at like an individual level, rather than kind of absorbing things, just taking things on and doing it and not telling anyone. I don't know. It's like just figuring out ways to be more open with, I'm doing this, I'm doing a lot of work and I need you to help me with this. Or just like, and or if you do do the work, like sing your praises, like be your, yeah. be your own cheerleader if you have us, you know? Squeaky wheel, that's what they say. Squeaky yeah. wheel, that's the oil. Mm-hmm. I took a different definition from this meeting. I took a different yeah. definition from this meeting. <laughs> no, I took a different meaning from this question. I feel like sometimes, like everyone thinks that the outside world stays at the door when we enter a practice space or, you know, when, you know, Derby exists in this like vacuum and in a plane, I think we need to acknowledge that that's not the case, that sometimes the frustrations that we might be experiencing in other facets of our lives also can carry over and spill into the Derby realm. So we should really be mindful of the 
of what we're bringing with us when we come to practice and what we're actually leaving behind and the and just acknowledge that we're all humans and that we're all going through our own shit and that this is just one slice of a very humongous pie we aren't getting paid for this this is our recreational activity and this is this is a an undertaking a significant undertaking that involves all hands on deck and not only is it daunting but we should also take pride in that that we're carrying this out you know that we're doing this heavy lifting and we're making this doing this for the skaters by the skaters that's really inspiring and really badass at the end of the day so those are some of the expectations that we need to kind of own and keep front of mind and for you and to to answer the question that you had also posed about like how do you help combat the burnout when you take over assume your role maybe you could help set the tone maybe you can all together try to envision what it is that you want to see happen and take it from there and the thing for next year is like uh, the, the skater who was elected president i just I just adore her. And so previously the lead had just had a president and there was no vice president. And it was so much work for that one person that got so much put on them. And so this year, now that we've kind of split it back into two positions and it's with someone I'm so excited to work with, like, that's great. Yeah. Just being able to to collaborate will really help. That's another way that expectations need to be, another reason why expectations need to be expressed and, so that people understand that you're not supposed to just because you're president doesn't mean you have to do all of the things or vice president that there's an expectation of each and every one of us in the community to to hold the community up and one more thing that i was actually going to say in terms of like looking at this from a poc lens like what are the expectations you have on your POC skaters? They're not going to be the ambassadors and the speakers for all POC people everywhere. Same with your trans skaters. I'm sure. Um, What do you intend when you say that you want more diversity or inclusion in your league? Is it to have more people for pictures or is it to actually have your league reflect your community? Like what is the purpose of it? So those Mm -hmm. expectations in those relationships need to clearly be articulated so that, especially for, you know, skaters of color so that they feel welcome there and feel like they belong in that space. Okay. How can you be bigger or take up more space? Conversely, if you hold a lot of power and privilege, how can you amplify the voices of others? And this is actually dovetail really well because my, like, I didn't have a word per se for 2019, but I had a phrase. And my phrase was kind of like a dual phrase, actually. It was own your space and Mm -hmm. also own your space, O-M. So O-W-N and O-M. And by that, I meant I wanted to literally like feel bigger and more welcome in my immediate like space in my home. You know, I was kind of in need of just having it doing some upgrades. So that was something that, and also just that ohm aspect of it. But also I think that it meant just my, the personal space, like my body that I inhabit, like being more at peace with it and caring for it and loving it in any way, shape or form. So that's what I wanted to accomplish in 2019. And I feel like I did, especially the way that I care for myself and, you know, cared for my space and cared for my, loved ones and everyone in my world, but also in just those boundaries that we talked about earlier, creating the boundaries so that 
that space doesn't get violated by others and that everyone who you have in your space is there because you want them there not because you feel like you don't deserve better or anything like that. You know, I feel like I want to just continue on that trajectory next year. And if I have a lot of power and privilege, I'm hoping that I'm able to use this platform, for instance, to continue sharing their voices and amplifying their voices and being that sort of bridge and conduit for others. And also just striving to make those with power aware of their power and their privilege and holding them accountable and holding them, taking them to task and asking what they're doing. So I I like the old journalist's maxim of comfort the afflicted and afflict the comfortable, you know, and speaking truth to power. Those are my favorite two like old journalistic maxims. So that's, that's what I want to do in 2020. This one, let's see. Oh my gosh. For sure. Something that I didn't do very well in like, I'm thinking right now more about like my work life and my work life this last year, I definitely needed to be more, I needed to be advocating for myself a lot more. And I think that I did a pretty good job at that within Derby, but I hadn't like figured out ways to translate that into my work life. And you, you had kind of mentioned something similar about like how we are, you can take these risks in Derby, like on a daily basis and not like how can we translate that into other parts of our life and that's something that I did not do a good job at this year and I'm really trying to work on next year as far as knowing my worth and at what kind of like here's my limits and knowing that once I hit a certain point that like I know I have to be pushing more I have to be more vocal and if there isn't someone to advocate for me that I have to advocate for myself within derby right now I think as a skater I can be doing that more like I feel like I've gotten to the point where now I feel really confident in being able to have some way to affect kind of behind the scenes change, but I still feel less, I just still feel very unsure as a skater. And the pressure, I put a lot of pressure on myself this year to be better and do all the stuff. Um, But I think I kind of made it, it, I just made it worse for myself that with the pressure And so, yeah, working on how to kind of feel comfortable with, let's see, what I actually wrote down was recognize my limits and push responsibly. So knowing that maybe I'm not ever going to be the greatest skater, like, or even one of the best skaters in my league, but push myself as much as I can within those limitations so that I can feel good about what I've done. Hell yeah. And then thinking about, um, you know, being in a leadership position, I automatically now have way more power and privilege than I previously had. So yeah, I mean, absolutely. Just making sure that I am always willing and open to accept feedback, feedback, feedback. And I know that the only way that 
I can show that, I don't, I don't know, I guess that that's figuring out how to get other people to give you feedback, just seeking that out, uh, letting people know that I am a safe person to provide feedback to, that you can give that to me and it's not going to just go in one ear and out the other. It's not just going to end up like there's a note on the floor that we didn't do anything with. That's great. Okay, so... I guess this would be the last question. This is, okay. And you already have your word. I still haven't figured out my word. You haven't figured out your word. Good question. Yeah, I know. What would be your word for 2020? What's immediately, what what immediately comes to mind? I think hmm, one of the first things I thought about was just confidence. And it's not that I'm necessarily like lacking in confidence, but I think that I, have often not figured out ways to actually like utilize or do anything with confidence or sometimes I can feel really confident, but I don't do anything with it. So I would love for 2020 to be the year where I actually am acting on the confidence and kind of using that as more of an opportunity to take risks and make mistakes. So that's great. That's that's kind of what I'm leaning towards right now. At least. It's a work in progress. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Well, my word is more of a sound because mm. it's actually three definitions of the same sound. Thank you, English. <laughs> the, the sound so. And if you know, you know, there's so S O, there's so S O W. And there's so S-E-W. (laughs) All three could be applicable for me, honestly, because I've been meaning to like, I've been talking about learning how to sew, like literally. Yeah. Um, I've been wanting to like get into that sort of like fashion design is like another like art for art's sake or creating for creating sake, you know, as we were talking about earlier. So, so. (laughs) So sewing would be something that I definitely want to take action on next year mm-hmm. and then there's the like just the word the the other definition of sew which is bringing things together like attaching things and adding on things and i want to do that i want to grow what i've already accomplished i want to keep adding on to what i've already accomplished i also yeah. want to continue planting more, more things as in sow you know so like i want to i want to just experiencing new things and bringing new elements in my life. Um, But I want to plant those seeds. I know that to harvest something, you need to first plant the seeds. So I think, and that takes some time, new career maybe, you know, so um, I want to, I want to continue to do well in school. Um, So just sowing those seeds. Right. And so like, like, so what, you know, like just (laughs) being mindful SO of like, so, you know, like anything that's petty, like just, think about it and just say so like it doesn't matter you know like being mindful of what matters and what actually does or or so you know and you know just thinking why does this matter and does it matter so if it matters then what are we going to do about it like just the all the different sort of manifestations of this little sound is really I'm vibing on it so that's I love it (laughs) thanks it's so good It is. It's it's so wild, but like, yeah, this one sound has so many meanings, right? Yeah, English, you fickle bitch. It's, I know, right? <laughs> but yeah, it's yeah. great. 
Great. And so let's, okay, wrapping this up, I had asked yes. you if you had a ancient Derby proverb for me, which is like my way of asking um, any sort of nugget of wisdom in life on that can be taken and adapted to Derby or um, from Derby into actual day-to-day life. What you got? Oh, yeah. So this one, I'm probably not going to really able to say it very eloquently, but for me, falling is always worth it. In, in Derby, anytime I fall, I learn a lesson. I either learn that I was doing something maybe too fast or that I didn't have enough balance on one leg or that I had too much momentum or that at that point in time, I just didn't have enough strength to be able to stay on both of my feet. And I feel like all of those things 100% apply to life, that falling is always worth it. And it's you know, I feel like people always talk about stuff like failing, but I feel like falling is different because falling isn't failing. Like falling is just a step in the process. Like you have to fall multiple times in order to figure out how to make adjustments. So that's, right. that's what I got. Yeah. <laughs> and if you don't, and if you, and if you, failure is when you stop falling when you yeah, stop. Yeah, that's what I see. Trying, if you right? wouldn't try. Yeah, yeah <laughs> totally. That's the, that's, that's very subtle difference, but it's definitely different. Thank yeah. you. That's awesome. Do you have a preferred self-care tip that you'd like to share with the world? Oh, preferred self-care tip. My biggest thing right now has been sleep. I have been such a bad sleeper for most of my adult life. I had never, ever figured out ways to prioritize sleep. And it still is hard as far as someone who tends to have a racing mind. Like I've done a lot of kind of things to try to get my mind to slow down that haven't necessarily helped. But for me, the the physical self-care around sleep and um, my partner thinks I'm ridiculous, but I have three pillows that I sleep with so that I'm like pretty much constantly enveloped in this little perfect cave. And once I figured out how to find my perfect sleep position, even when I don't get enough sleep, I feel so much more well rested. So sleep has been huge. I mean, I'm someone who most of my 20s, I think I slept five hours a night. And the fact that now I can get eight hours of sleep and feel amazing, even before I have a cup of coffee. That's my thing. Sleep, sleep, sleep. Oh my God. (laughs) Nice. Last but not least, who is your MVP? My MVP is probably my sister. I'm sad I don't live in this place anymore. That was probably the best part of living in Portland for six years because she's there, but she is absolutely my MVP, always has been. How come? (sighs) She's, so she's five years older than me. I think that what's been really interesting is watching my sister, no, um, nothing against my parents, but, um, (laughs) you know, because she was the first kid, she kind of had to deal with things that then my parents learned to kind of do a little bit 
better with me. It's not like I'm a very well-adjusted person. I still have a lot of problems, but um, <laughs> I feel like, you know, my sister has done so much more on her own than I was. And I think it was because I was, you know, and still am kind of the baby, but she, uh, we used to live together in Texas. And then when she moved to Portland. It's this very long story where she, her partner is Canadian and she was just going to move to Canada and ended up getting stuck and they wouldn't let her in the country. And she had to just go find somewhere to live in the Pacific Northwest. And she just moved to Portland and wow. like started this whole life there after essentially packing up everything in her car and being turned away at the border. Oh um, and so it always just amazes me. Like she's been, she's just built this great life. She's been doing great. And I feel like it's one of those, like <laughs> it was such a wild situation for her to be in. And I just have loved watching her kind of thrive every time she has something strange like that thrown her way. So that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Sweet. All right. Mm-hmm. So thank you so much. Thank you. This was a blast. This was awesome. Yeah, I love this. (laughs) I love the idea of just like perfect strangers just asking each other questions (laughs) about their. I know. (laughs) Kind of amazing. Some of them are like really like here. Tell me this very personal. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, it's it's a lot, but yeah, this was really fun. This is awesome. Thank you so much. All right, folks. Well, there you have it. Holding space with magical wheelism is available on. Apple, Spotify, Google Play, and YouTube. Help the pod grow by subscribing and sharing it with friends. Rating and reviewing on Apple Podcasts also helps others find us. Follow the pod on Instagram at Holding Space with Magic Pod. Intro and outro music is by Sun Searcher. The song is called Latin Rhythm. And the cover photo is by James Corbett of Epic Life Images. Find him at Epic Life Images on Instagram. See you next time. Bye.